welcome to a special episode of the Grace Moments Podcast. I'm your host, Katherine Singer. Today, it is my pleasure to welcome another guest to the podcast. To say Jamie Ball is a fighter would be an understatement. He has seen more in his 29 years than most of us will ever experience in a lifetime. He's a devoted husband and father, youth baseball coach, and mapping contractor for an electric company in his home state of Texas. Jamie will be the first to tell you that sometimes in life, the hits just keep coming, and you're not sure if you're going to be able to keep rebounding. But life isn't about never getting knocked down. It's about finding the strength to stand back up when you do. The secret to overcoming any hardship is learning to let God meet you where you're at and to fight for the blessing He has waiting for you on the other side. Join us for a candid conversation about loss, resilience, family, and so much more. Here now is my chat with my good friend, Jamie Ball. I've known my next guest for about six years now, and I've got to tell you guys, he's definitely one of the most incredible people I've ever met. I'm so happy he could join us on the podcast today to talk about his story and share some of his wisdom with you all. Welcome to the Grace Moments podcast, Jamie. Thanks. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Uh, this is something we've talked about in the past. Um, happy, happy, uh, happy to see you today. Well, let's start off at the beginning. Can you tell a little bit about your childhood? What was life like growing up for Jamie Ball? I, you know, I grew up in small town Mississippi uh, in a town called Forest, Mississippi. It's kind of in central Mississippi. Uh, growing up, you know, I, I felt like I had a normal childhood. I mean, we definitely grew up in poverty. Um, you know, my mom, and dad split at a young age. Um, she remarried a few more times. And uh, we had a, my, my mom did her best, but we definitely had some uh, rough parts of our childhood, me and my sister. Um, but, you know, made a lot of friends, played all types of sports, playing outside, getting dirty, you know, mm-hmm. you know, getting hurt every now and then, just <laughs> things like that. And uh, yeah, I mean, that was, that was basically it. I mean, there's so many deeper stories and I could tell and everything, but just that's basically it. One of the biggest fixtures in your life early on was your mom, and you just mentioned her a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about her and what made her so special to you? I was a mama's boy, 100%. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that might may be because my mom and dad got set, uh, split up when I was so young, so I kind of yeah. was like around her way more than my father. And uh, she just, I mean, and it's not just me, though. Other people that knew her uh, say you know, she was just a very loving person, very caring person, um, would give the shirt off her back, loved to cook, like she loved to serve, honestly, mm-hmm. she, she loved to, she would love to cook for us and, um, and others and invite friends over and she would always say yes to me having friends over and treat them like her own and mm-hmm. I don't know, she just, like I got, a, I've taken a lot of my traits from my mom, like my personality and everything and you know, I so like with my wife and my daughter, like uh, I almost overly tell them I love them all the time. And I, I get that from my mom because I always heard that. And I was always uh, praised almost too much from my mom. Uh, you know, just she was always my number one fan and everything mm-hmm. like that. So, yeah, she, she was definitely like I would say my best friend. And uh, I know I haven't mentioned it, you know, but my mom passed away when I was in college mm-hmm. shortly before I came to Alaska. And uh, so, yeah, she was a big part of my life she's a big part of who I've become as a man and as a father now I, I definitely take a lot of things I learned of parenting from her and a uh, little nicks little things here and there from her and I definitely use it with my daughter now mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about your mom obviously passing away you and your sister suddenly found yourselves without a parent without the biggest anchor in your lives I think a lot of people have a hard time understanding grief from a child or a young person's perspective and the impact that it has in shaping someone during their growing up years. Can you talk about that time in your life, um, watching your mom go through her battle with cancer and then subsequently losing her and having to deal with the aftermath of that loss? My mom, she had uh, type 2 diabetes for almost my whole life. So basically she was diagnosed with diabetes when she had my little sister roughly five years older than so since okay. I was about the age of five my mom had uh, type 2 diabetes and uh, if you know anything about type 2 diabetes it's basically just your immune system's way not it's just not as strong as a normal person like me and you um, so 
you know, any sickness could turn real bad for her. And, you know, she wasn't the healthiest person. You know, like I said, we love, she loved to cook and we loved to eat. And, you know, I didn't know what baked chicken was until I moved to Texas. You know, we fry everything <laughs> in Mississippi. Uh, so, you know, just greasy foods. And, you know, she was a cigarette smoker. She didn't really drink alcohol or anything, but she smoked cigarettes and just, mm-hmm. you know, ate unhealthy. So that didn't help. But basically she got pneumonia. Okay. And uh, was hosp- I was in Texas, obviously, in college in school and uh she got pneumonia and was hospitalized for about three weeks and i recently found out i didn't know this i recently found out just last week talking talking to my aunt who's my mom's sister that my mom actually died in the hospital like her heart stopped for like minutes in the oh. hospital a week before she got sent home and they revived her and uh wow. And she never told me that because she was always worried that I'd be worried about things, um, sure. you know, things like that. So she would, my mom, when I moved off to Texas out in college, she definitely would hide some of her uh, health issues from me because mm-hmm. she just knew I'd be worried. But yeah, so then uh, apparently a week later, and this is like from what I heard from my aunt, because I wasn't there, I just thought my mom was good to go home and she got released from the hospital where apparently mm-hmm. after that happened about a week later, she was just tired of being in there. And my little sister was literally staying at home by herself like my little sister you know she was I don't even know like 15 at the time maybe mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. she was just at home like people you know family members would check on her and things but she was at home by herself and my mom just wanted to go home and be with her daughter you know like I said that that sacrificial love that she had and sure. mm-hmm. you know it's crazy my aunt told me this this weekend we went to Arkansas and visited my family and like I I, I got teary-eyed and um, think about it my mom the day my mom got home which is the day she died, the day she got home from the hospital, she passed away in her sleep. Wow. That, that, that day she got home, the only thing she wanted to do was cook a meal for my, my sister. Hmm. And she had this, my aunt told me she had this big pot roast out and everything that she had made. Hmm. And uh, she died in her sleep that night. So like hmm. first thing she did after being in the hospital for three weeks, she got home, she wanted to make a big meal for my sister hmm. and, and her. And it's just, it's crazy. I didn't know that story literally until saturday this past saturday so just a few days ago i heard that story and they're like it was just like man that, like that's that's my mom you know that, that that's that's my mom in a nutshell right there and she passed away in her sleep um from the pneumonia the, the doctors didn't suggest her to leave the hospital she just wanted to go and i don't know what it was after hearing that story from my uh my aunt i was just thinking like i don't know like maybe it was just like like my mom had a very tragic life. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. or I don't know the word should be tragic. It, um, she just had a tough life, you know, it's it, difficult. Was, yeah. Difficult life. She was, you know, molested by her father as a little girl and oh, that wow. kind of made her relationship with men just troubling as you can imagine her whole life. So she just, you know, had, you know, she was married before my dad and then got a divorce and, and, my dad and then a couple guys after them and it was always like just not good guys and I think that had probably had something to do with it but it's I feel like after knowing all of that about her life and everything and when she died obviously I went through months and months and a period of time where I was hurt and depressed and made a little angry and um but then after a, a while passed by I started trying to just reflect and uh you know I feel like I don't know, but I kind of felt like God was just like, you know, it's her time. Like she's done a lot here on earth. She's been through a lot. Like it's time to come home. You know what I mean? And I felt like maybe that was like why she wanted to leave the hospital. Cause my aunt was talking to me this weekend and she was kind of expressing that, that my mom would tell her, she never told me this, but she would have conversations with my aunt, like, please take care of my kids. Like, you know, take care of Reagan, that Jamie's in college, take, make sure, take care of Reagan, who's my little sister, because I don't think I'm, I think I'm going to die soon, and, and, you know, my aunt was like, well, stop talking like that, I mean, she, you know, um, but I think my mom knew, like, it, her time was coming, and I think that's just, God gave her the, uh, that one more day to just go home and make a meal for her daughter and her family, and, um, you know, you know, go on to heaven in peace in her own bed, you know, and that was tough on both of us, for sure, but looking back I feel like it was just she had she had a difficult life on earth and I think God was just like it's time to come home to paradise you know so that's how mm-hmm. I try to look at it um and of course you still get a little depressed here and there sometimes mm-hmm. but but yeah that's that's kind of that's kind of where that's at you suddenly found yourself kind of man of the household like you were mentioning about looking out for your sister and had to grow up really quickly in a way after your mom 
died. Is there any advice or insight that you could give for someone who's maybe trying to find their way after losing a parent like that? I mean, it's tough to give anyone advice because it's, you know, everyone's situation is different. You know, my mom was a single mother, you know, on disability. So I was kind of the man of the house from the AR, like even like 15, 14 or 15, because I was like the only guy in there, like even to the point where like, because my mom was already kind of sick, like on disability and, and when I was in high school. So she would come to me to discipline my sister, like, you know, hey, you're not allowed to leave the house or whatever, or you need to make sure you get your homework done. Or I wake up and take my, I, I would drive my sister to school. She would ride the bus from the elementary, from the middle school to the high school after school where I had baseball practice. And then she would ride home with me. So it was like, I was, you know, I was my sister's brother, big brother, but also kind of a father figure in that aspect. Mm. So I was already kind of acting as that without providing financially, obviously. Right. Uh, so, um, that I mean, if anything, I, I mean, it definitely affected me hard because, like, like I said, my mom was my best friend. Like, I, I, I kind of felt lonely for a while. Like, I didn't have anyone, sure. and uh, to like talk to. And obviously, hundreds, everyone reaches out to you when something like that happens. And if yeah. anyone's listening to this that has lost a parent recently, like, I know you're having a million people reach out to you, like, hey, you can talk to me. But I know how it feels like you don't really feel like, yeah, they're telling you that, but you don't feel like you can talk to them and be open with them, how you truly feel, how you would with your parent that you lost. Yep. And that's how, that's where I was at. Like I had a lot of people reaching out to me and people helped financially, you know, and everything like that. But it's just like, nothing really replaces your mom or your dad. Yep. Um, and I think, and, and that's something, I don't even know if it, if it'll ever be healed. I think there are always, I think that's just part of life. You know, I think we'll always have a little, you know, scar in our heart over something like that. But mm-hmm. I think it develops you as a person. And I think it's a, another thing, it's okay to hurt. It's okay to, you know, be in pain sure. and go through that, that, that time frame of just feeling that pain and being in that moment. And uh, I definitely did. I mean, and even after I kind of got over it, like maybe two years, a year later, two years later, every now and then I'd still like, maybe a song would remind me of my mom. I listen to the radio and I just start crying and cry by myself or I talk to my mom. And, you know, now I don't really cry much anymore thinking about her. I more just look back and like, my eyes might get watery more just out of happiness. Like I look at my daughter and I'm like, man, I, it makes me emotional thinking not sadly, but just like, man, I know how much I love my daughter. Like that's how my mom loved me. Like, yeah. and it just kind of makes me, like in that way um this past weekend was like the first time I really got teary-eyed in a while just because she was telling me the story about you know her she passed away in the hospital and they revived her and a week later she went home and you know died in her sleep but I would just say you know it's okay to to feel that hurt and and to be emotional and I mean that's pretty much all I can say like it's just August you're you're get you will get through it um you know you know, through prayer and everything and uh, through the people that are offering for you to mm-hmm. uh, lean on them. I mean, lean on them, take, accept the help. Um, but I don't, like I said, I don't know if it ever, you ever get over it, but you, you'll get stronger from it. You'll grow from it. It's kind of like uh, yep. getting a cut on your skin and that skin grows back tighter and, and, and tougher. So you'll, you'll get tougher and you'll become a better person from it, I think. How did you personally begin to pick up the pieces and kind of figure out your path forward after all of that had changed everything, you know, so quickly. Yeah, it was tough because when it happened, it was right, I believe it was right before, it was right before my birthday, a few weeks before my birthday and before the baseball season started. And mm-hmm. I was uh, I was a sophomore in junior college at the time. And, you know, sophomore year in junior college is a big deal. Like you're trying to get signed. Everybody wants to go to Division One. That was my dream. I want to play Division One baseball. And, um, so it was, I had worked hard all through the fall um, and I thought I had earned a starting spot even up to the spring. Like I was, I felt like I was going to be a starter in the outfield and I, 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 that from everything, everything looked like that was the case. And then this happened. I, I still remember the, the phone call. It was crazy. It was insane. I was uh, asleep in the dorms and I had, had nightmares before about this one. My, my whole life I've had like bad dreams my mom dying when I was a little kid she's like oh it's, I'm never gonna mm. die you know what they tell you <laughs> but I had had nightmares about this situation where my phone rings in the middle of the night like nothing good is happening someone's calling in the middle of the night so I'm in my dorm room in, in junior college and uh my room uh my phone rings 
3 a.m. I, I, I wake up and I immediately, I don't even look at the phone. I just had my stomach drop because I remember those nightmares. I look at my phone, it says Ray and my sister. And I immediately- You like, just oh, kind of knew something I, was wrong. I was like, something bad has happened. I answered the phone and the first thing my sister says, she's just crying. She's like, mama's dead, mama's dead. And I just, hmm. I, I, I tried to compose myself for my sister. Um, I was just like, okay, don't worry about it. I'm coming home today. Like I'm in Texas, right? Like I'm like, hey, I'm gonna be in Mississippi before the day is over, don't you worry. Like whatever, I'll figure it out. I'm just trying to keep her. I was like, um, you know, if, if someone there with you, she was like, not right now, but they're on the way. She's like crying. So I stayed until someone got there and I, and like, I just, I, I lost control. I like, I went out in my room because my roommate was in there with me. Like dorm room, you sleep together and one bed and one bed. And uh, I got in the dorm hallways, it's like 3 a.m. And I just lose it. I start like screaming, bawling, crying the hardest I've ever cried in my life. Like, sobbing saying my mom was dead and like everyone's coming out you know this is the baseball dorm so it's like all my teammates and if people start coming out and like you know comforting me and stuff and I call my coach at like that time in the morning I'm, I'm calling I'm trying to think who I can call I called uh uh my my uncle and I well they're not my real uncle and I but I called them uncle and I and they lived within an hour and I was calling them and they can obviously it's middle of the night and no one's answering the phone and I call my coach he answers and I'm like, I'm like, I can barely talk, but I'm just like sobbing on the phone saying my mom died. Da, 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 da. And uh, he comes and gets me and takes me to my uncle and aunt's house. And my uncle and aunt gave me a plane ticket to Mississippi that day. And that happened. But going back to what I was, the original question you asked, like, uh, so like I came back, I went to the funeral. I was there for like two weeks, went to the funeral, you know, and all that. But I, I, I mean, it was a point, <laughs> Catherine, there was a point where I was like, I might just quit college and quit baseball altogether and just stay mm -hmm. in Mississippi. Cause it was just like, I was in such a, just a different place in my mind. Like it was just, it was like a shock. Like I couldn't believe my mom's dead. Like my best friend, like I did everything with talk to all every day. We talked every single day. I knew everything about her life and everything about my life. And it was just like, I was in shock. So I, I just, I remember I did not, I didn't tell anybody this, but I, I kept staying in Mississippi longer and longer. Like I was supposed to just stay till the funeral come back, but I was there a week after the funeral. And then I remember this guy named Mr. Pete. He's like one of the, the men that has shaped me as a man. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I don't talk to him much now, but I have, um, but, uh, I don't know if I've ever, I think I have told him once, but um, one day I, I want to sit down and express to him again, how much of an impact he's had on me. He's a great man, a police officer in my hometown. Hmm. I mean, the reason we know each other because his son, his oldest son, and me played baseball together in high school. And I just, hmm. he, they took a liking to me and me and his son were friends. And I would spend the night with them all the time, things like that. And they helped, they also helped me out a lot during high school whenever my mom was sick or something like that. But mm -hmm. uh, Mr. Pete, he called me. I think I was over their house. I just went over their house to visit them while I was in Mississippi. And he was like, when are you going back? Or something like that. And I was like, oh, I don't know yet. Like, you know stuff and he was just like you gotta you need to go back like you can't just sit here in this little town you know just feeling depressed all the time your mom would want you to go on go back to school play baseball do what you love and graduate college and uh and, and he's and even me coming out to texas in the first place for college it was part of him i remember mr pete telling me you know get as far away from this town as you can like go go to college in texas as soon as i got an opportunity to play in texas he was like i think you should go you know, mm. uh, but anyway, so he told me, so I, I ended up coming back. When I got back, like I said beforehand, I was, uh, everything was lining up for me to be starting in the outfield. I'm going to, my goal is I'm going to have a big sophomore season. You signed D1 somewhere. Well, I get back, obviously I've missed two and a half, three weeks of practices and everything. Mm -hmm. And I got back like the day before our first game, coach was like, hey, you don't have to rush back. You don't have to, you know, I was like, no, I want to be there with the team. Like I was trying to be a team player. I want to show them that like, I'm, I'm, I'm over, I'm locked in. I want to coach to know like I'm ready to play. And uh, I got back and I didn't get to play and I, the first game. And I, I was like, I was kind of hurt, but I was like, I understand. Like I missed three weeks of practice or whatever. Well, that just kind of dragged on throughout the year. Kind of like where someone, you know, someone else just kind of st stepped in and took my spot. Yeah, so that's how I kind of just kind of got back going in my life in my routine because like I just I wanted to once I decided I was going to go back and play baseball like I was like all right I got to get back and I got to have a good year so I can play division one baseball so I just kind of 
I mean, I definitely still struggled with the depression and everything, but I just kind of got back to it. And I was like, I got back to just working hard, trying to be a better baseball player, trying to finish up getting my associate's degree and things like that. So, and then people, like I said, people helped me out. My teammates were, you know, awesome. I remember they threw me a, a bit, like right when I got back, my birthday was like that week and they threw me a big little birthday surprise party at a cake and That's sweet. Had cards from all of them and everything. They did a lot. Um, so that, that was good. And uh, yeah, just, I just kind of tried to get back once I decided it, I tried to get back to the routine of uh, just grinding and uh, in college and baseball. And that kind of helped me move on through life. Loneliness is something you've experienced a lot of in the past. Can you talk about what you've learned from those seasons in your life where you just kind of had to go it alone? I mean, it's, I think the main thing from, you know, with loneliness for anybody that can learn is just like learn how to be you learn you learn a lot about yourself okay you, you you learn um I think you learn how to be by yourself you learn how to uh I don't know how to explain it I guess I, I guess cope with things better you have a lot of time to think you know think about things you know and I think that those times have helped me because I mean I mean obviously with age you mature and everything also but like I, I matured a lot during that phase of my life um like even it's not really related, but like just things like why do people think the way they think and why do people sure. react the way they think or why do they think this way about me or that person? Why do they think that way? Just little weird things like that. I would, you know, when you're by yourself, you have your, your mind sprint rambles and you, you can think, you know, and I actually like to still do that now. Like I like to try to just get peace and quiet by myself. Sometimes, sometimes I'll wake up real early. The wife's asleep, baby's asleep. I'm like, oh, it's just sit in the living room and just let my mind wander no phone nothing like that um because i you know we don't we don't a lot of us don't get to do that <laughs> we don't do that these days i mean everything's taking our time like if we're not working we're, we're at home you know enjoying our family or doing whatever the family or if we're not doing that if even if we are by ourselves we're probably staring at our phones looking at social media and things like that which you know i'm definitely guilty of so if you think about it we don't really get a lot of just us time to just sit in silence for 20 minutes and just let our mind wander, you know, just, just think about things in life. And I, I think that's one thing I, I, I definitely learned from that. And even not even just with that situation, my mom, but I mean, it was kind of still close, but when I went on to Hart and Simmons after a year later, you know, I didn't know anyone there at first. I, I wasn't very popular at first. Uh, I ended up making great friends later on, but when I, my, probably my first two three months there like it was the same thing lonely like I'd just be sitting <laughs> in my apartment <laughs> in my bedroom just kind of by myself you know what I mean um, so so yeah I, I think like I said I think from the loneliness I think the main thing anyone could probably learn is just learn about yourself and uh and learn how to think and uh you know reflect I guess self-reflect after your mom passed away I think you embodied the idea that family is what you make it um, can you just give a little bit of insight into how someone can kind of create community after loss? Because I know from times in my life when I've lost people that were very special, just figuring out that balance of what you're talking about. You need a lot of quiet because you're lost in your thoughts, thinking about a lot of things, but you also know that you need people because those people can help you get through things. You know, learning how to sort of create that sense in your case of a new kind of family in a way of gathering friends and other people around you. Um, why don't you just share a little bit about, about what that was like for you? I mean, obviously it was a tough time when my mom died, but some good, some greatly great things have, you know, come from it. Like, you know, I don't, I, I so me and my dad kind of, when my mom and dad got separated, like our relationship kind of went down the drain. Like we just didn't really have a relationship at mm. all. It was crazy. Cause my dad was like, my dad was like the guy that I loved so much when I was a real little kid, all the way up to like mm -hmm. eight when we got divorced. Like he was my coach in every sport. Like I was always hanging on his coattails. And then they got separated, and you know, he had his issues, and I just didn't see him hardly at all. And but since my mom passed away, you know, I really, I mean, our relationship's grown a lot. Like I, and I think it's in part like you were saying, like uh, relationships with family is what you make it. Like I, after losing one parent even though I was closer to my mom at the time, I was just like, you know, I don't, I, I mean, at the time my mom died, like I had anger towards my father 
for things mm -hmm. he had done when I was growing up and I never heard a apology or anything. But then I, I just kind of got to the point where I was like, man, do I wanna, and this was not like a one day thing. This was like baby steps. Like I, it would, you know, I would try. And then if you're my daughter crying, I'm sorry. She's in the background in the bedroom crying with mom. <laughs> I don't know if you're here or not. No worries. But uh, yeah, it just got to the point where I was like, you know, I don't want to lose another parent and regret it. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like you only get two parents. The, the, the Bible says, honor your thy father and thy mother. It doesn't say only if you respect them, or only if they treated you well. It just says, honor your father and your mother. You know, and I know that's hard for some people to understand because some, like, if some people really had bad relationships with their father or their mother, they their parents treated them wrong. I, I do understand that. Like I, you know, I had, you know, like I said, I had, my dad made a lot of mistakes when I was younger, um, but I just kind of got to the point where I just had to forgive. And if I wanted to have a relationship, like I knew I was going to kind of have to take the steps. I was going to be the one that take the first step. And so I did it like, and then it's not just with him. It's like everyone in my family. And now I try to at least send a text like every few months to you know, family mm -hmm. members and reach out to them. And, and with, as, as far as uh, friends, you know, I kind of, I keep a small circle. Like I'm, it's, it's weird. Like I'm very extroverted, like very friendly. Mm -hmm. I ever, like I, I started doing CrossFit month uh, in October and I probably know almost everyone in the gym now, almost everybody probably knows me, but I only probably text like five or six people in the whole gym, you know, out of 200 people, you know? So I say I have a small circle and I don't probably, I only probably hang out with like four different friends. Um, so I think it's about finding quality people and, you know, you, you can be a good judge of that for yourself. You know, you, you'll know, mm -hmm. um, you know, tell yourself if you're honest with yourself, like how, how does this feel? Like, do I feel like they're genuine people? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And people that are over time, after you grow a relationship, are they going to be honest with me? Or are they just going to tell me what I want to hear? You know, things like that. Let's talk a little bit about Jasmine. Um, talk a little bit about what it was like meeting her for the first time and beginning to envision a future with a cohesive family unit of your own, which obviously was something that, you know, for most of your growing up years, you didn't really get to experience as you've alluded to. Yeah. Um, you know, when I first met Jasmine, I, I was, I really liked her just because like we could, it was just like we could hang out and just not, we don't have to go on a date. Like we just hang out and chill and talk and just be, I just felt comfortable with her. Like I didn't feel like nervous or she didn't make me, she wasn't, and she wasn't very, uh, like, she didn't make me feel like I had to be something different to be around her. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, I dated a girl for a long time before I met Jasmine, like, three and a half years, and she was very, her family was very wealthy, and obviously, I come from a poverty background, so, like, they would make me feel comfortable at times, because I didn't come from that background, you know, mm -hmm. and Jasmine was not like that, um, you know, at all. She was very just accepting who I was. She just liked who I was. And so that, that was very intriguing. And um, she she also like just like I had a rundown car and she didn't she rode with me in it, like didn't care. So I, I liked that. And yeah, I mean, she would watch my games and stuff like she would just she really showed that she wanted to like be involved with me as well and I, I think that was what attracted me initially and then uh, we got married quickly like within a year right after we graduated college we got married we moved in together obviously after we got married and we didn't think about kids for a while we, we knew we wanted kids and uh we we're both christians and um after about three years we're like oh, i want to start trying to have kids we uh started trying to have kids and then we had uh we lost one um, mm -hmm. It wasn't far along, but that was tough. Um, and then about six months later, we finally got pregnant with Jada. <laughs> and, uh, and the whole pregnancy, you know, we she was having me read books, and you know, we were talking about you know different things. And uh, yeah, and up up until now, like, I mean, I think obviously every married couple, you know, has different issues. You know, just getting the the me and Jasmine time to go on date nights, to go to the movies or whatever. Um, we kind of lost, we kind of lost that for a while, but we've gotten it back recently and it, it's been awesome. But yeah, I, I mean, 
Jasmine's a, she's an awesome wife. I mean, as you know, and if we, we can get into that if you want, you know, she had breast cancer last year. Yeah, I was just going to talk about that a little bit and the fact that, you know, life was cruising along for you guys, you know, pretty well. And you have little Jada and everybody's enjoying family. And then about a year ago, mm-hmm. she gets diagnosed with cancer and the whole world is upended in your lives. Can you just take us through that journey a little bit and especially going through your mind facing the reality of potentially being a single parent yourself to Jada if Jasmine didn't pull through? It, that was crazy. I mean, you know, we're not old. We're young. Like That's something you're just not expecting to happen. You know, um, mm-hmm. I, I remember it uh, for a while. So for a while, Jasmine was having back problems, and, and, like months. And we were like, I don't know. So she would go to the doctor. And they were like, oh, maybe it's like slip disc or something. And then her doctor, primary care doctor, and they suggested to go to a chiropractor, which goes to chiropractor. And I'm like, you know, playing sports in college, I had, I deal with chiropractors all the time. I'm like, oh, they're awesome. I'm telling her, oh, you're going to feel so good after. Well, I go there with her and she's like in intense pain when they're trying to adjust her and everything. She's like, this does not feel good at all. I was like, what, really? Okay. Well, we left, didn't go back there waited a few weeks, went back to her doctor, pain is slowly getting worse and worse in her back. Hmm. And uh, we go to a primary doctor again, and now she has a lump in her breast now. But we're not thinking of that because Jasmine's breastfeeding at the time. So we were thinking maybe it's a clogged milk duct. So Jasmine just asked her, is this a clogged milk duct? And it's pretty big at this time, not as big as it would end up getting. Um, and the, her doctor, again, she just touches it one time and she's like, oh, that's a clogged milk duct. You know, that's all she said. We were like, all right. And then we left and I remember Jasmine telling me like I don't trust that like she was a little frustrated like I feel like she didn't really look hard enough because she just touched it one time and said that's a clock and she was like I just don't feel like she did her due diligence and I was like Jasmine, you know she's a doctor like let's trust the doctor you know um, it's clock milk dog. well we're going a few more months Jasmine's back starting to get se- like severely bad where she can like can't even stand up straight barely walk we go to we go to the uh emergency room this time because it's like at nighttime pick up Jada go to the emergency room they do x-rays and they just did an x-ray and they didn't see anything that time um and then we come home they I can't remember what they diagnosed with I think they might have given us some muscle relaxers or something come home it's mm-hmm. not uh, like literally it's not getting better like five days later we go back to emergency room she can't handle it. it's like severe pain and they just do another x-ray still nothing kind of I don't remember what they said that time but it was nothing then Finally, the last time it was like so bad that I can't, I think, I want to say someone was watching Jada for us. Jasmine's back was like, she couldn't even, she was paralyzed at this point. Like I was having to lift her up to use the restroom, lift her up, put her in bed. Like she couldn't move from belly button down. And then, and then she lost like feeling. And then at that point I had to carry her to the car. We went to the emergency room and then I kind of had to like step up and tell them like, Hey, she's not getting an x-ray this time like she's had an x-ray it ain't actually i need to do like an mri scan something so they're like all right they did the scan and then i started getting worried because they didn't tell us what they saw they just said they want us to stay overnight so I was, and, and and they're going to do some more scans in the morning so then we started getting worried well they do some more scans in the morning uh morning and then a doctor comes in and tells us they found some spots on her spine on her spine and spinal cord but they're not sure what it is don't they're like we don't want you panicking don't go googling things we don't want you panic we're going to do this other type of scan that'll tell us exactly what it is well they do the other scan and they basically come back and when the doctor came in it was i could see on her face that it was bad news but mm. she, and she told us she jasmine at that time they thought it was lymphoma cancer so obviously we broke down crying i'm like god like talking to god like angry like why mm-hmm. like you know why is this happening to us you know what i mean <laughs> like you know and and, and that's a, that's that's another thing i want to say like when people are going through tough times like it's so easy it's hard not to it's very easy to just be like especially someone like me like i i just it, life's been hard kind of you know what i mean like coming to poverty mm-hmm. my mom dying it's like god like how many times you gonna punch me in the face like come on man um but i just remember just being angry about that and then hugging jasmine just like we both crying and i'm crying harder she just got tears coming and i'm like bawling and i'm just like i don't i i was like i promise you i'll be here through all this 
And that's the last time ja- I, I remember seeing Jasmine cry during all this. That's how tough she is. Like mm. I cried regularly and it, she is a tough mama. But mm. anyway, they do more scans and we end up finding out it's breast cancer because the doctor's like, they did a chest scan and he saw the lump in her breast. Obviously it was the size of a baseball at this time. He was like, have you always known about this lump? She was like, yeah. He was like, why didn't you tell me? She was like, oh, I thought it was a clogged milk duct. He's like, no, that's a tumor. You have stage three triple positive best breast cancer so obviously stage three is the final stage of cancer so now like you were asking thinking about being a single parent like I never told Jasmine this because like my whole thing was I wanted to be a, a, her foundation I wanted to be her rock she could sit on for this like I wanted to I didn't want her to worry about nothing but beating this uh, so I never told her this until after she beat it and everything but I was like, I was severely, I, I would get, be in my car and cry. Like, I remember that night when they transferred us to a, even a bigger, better hospital or something where she was supposed to have surgery at. Mm-hmm. And they, they wouldn't let her, me drive, right? They had to ride her in an ambulance, but I, could, I, I had to drive my car. So I followed the ambulance and I just remember crying. I had the radio off and I just was crying the entire time following the ambulance. I didn't want, I didn't want Jasmine to see me cry because I was like, I cried already. I got to be strong now. So I cried. It was like a 30 minute drive. You get there. I like wipe my tears, get out and go up there and like, you know, help her out with getting in the room and all that. But I just remember thinking like a, a lot. I thought about like, man, like I can't be a single dad. Like Jasmine does so many things <laughs> that I don't do. And, you know, Jay, Jada needs a mama. Like I grew up single parent. Like she can't grow up single parent. Like, man, she, come on. Like I was just talking to God. Like I said, I was angry. Like I was angry with God, like God, like when does it stop? <laughs> and, uh, um, but yeah, so that definitely those thoughts creeped in my mind. And then there was even more scarier things like when we were in the hospital, they started chemo before she even had the major back surgery. Because basically what it was, she had, I think, six tumors on her spinal cord. That's why she wow. was, they were pressing on her. They were on her spine, pressing to her spinal cord. So that's why she was paralyzed from like the waist down, like literally couldn't feel, couldn't wiggle her toes, nothing. Mm. Like, and then the doc the doctor was worried because he was like pinching her with a needle in the leg and she didn't feel it at all and so they were supposed to have the surgery like the next week but uh her but they at first they couldn't even find a spinal surgeon to do it it was supposed supposedly such a dangerous surgery no one would take it on well we actually got lucky we got uh his name is dr lieberman he did tiger woods's back surgery mm-hmm. we just got blessed honestly we got blessed with the best uh oncologist in, in dallas and we got blessed with the best spinal surgeon. It was not us, our choosing. Literally, um, I can't remember. I think the hospital, I think no one wanted Jasmine's case or something like that. Or I can't remember what that was. But I think somehow we, the hospital just gave us Dr. Uh, Sias, who's our oncologist. And she still sees him to this day. Um, and it just so happened that the spinal surgeon that Dr. Sias always recommends is Dr. Lieberman. So we didn't choose him. Hmm. And he was the only one to take, take us on. There was like they reached, He reached out to three other surgeons first. They all turned it down because it was too dangerous. And uh, so Dr. Lieberman took it on. And not only did he take it on, he had he he saw Jasmine and was like, if we don't have this surgery tomorrow, you could be paralyzed forever. So and this is like a 12 hour surgery. So he had surgeries lined up the whole next day. He asked all three of his surgeries because uh, I guess they were not as serious as Jasmine's. Would they mind being uh, given a new date? And they all, and he told them the situation, they all said, of course, and even sent us well wishes and prayers. Like, it was mm-hmm. crazy. Like, I just can't believe that that God worked that way. And it just lined up perfect. Jasmine had the surgery the next day. It was about 12 hours. She finished at nighttime, got out, and immediately, her when they woke up, her toes could wiggle already. And she mm-hmm. didn't even have it before. And there, that, that was, that's when the, the, the real, you know, the fight began of relearning how to walk and on rehab we were in a rehabilitation center for a while we we're in the hospital for a while but right before the surgery she had a scary situation where they started the chemo and uh she had a bad reaction to it where like i mean i'm not a doctor i don't i thought she was gonna die i started crying next to the bed because she started like first she was like i feel real hot it was just me and her and i was like uh i was like you want me to wave you off i was fanning her off and she started getting like red bumps all over and then she told me to press the button for the nurse. I pressed the button. They came in. Her heart rate started spiking. Like, I think at some point her heart rate got up to like 270 beats a minute during this. Whoa. She started like shaking, convulsing. And then like, and within three minutes, I mean, there's 15 to 20 doctors and nurses in there. And they're all pushing me back. 
they're ripping her chest open. They're doing everything, putting these wires on her, trying to revive her. Cause like, well, she never lost conscious, but she was like, they thought she was having a heart attack. And uh, I was like, just sitting there. I'm literally thinking my wife's dying right now in front of me. And I'm like, just crying in the back corner, just looking at all this happen. And that, that, that scared me. That that's when I realized, man, cancer's cancer's real. Like that's when I realized, because I have never really experienced anything like that. But they after about 10 minutes, probably about five minutes, it seemed longer, they got her everything calmed down and, and they slowed the chemo down. And basically what it was is she had her bad, she was some, I guess, allergic to the chemo and they were pumping it too fast. So it did pump it way slower. And she never had that issue again to that extent. Um but yeah, it was just then and after that was like the long fight of she was her doing the chemo, going to all of her appointments, doing her therapy. And she, she's a tough cookie because she never complained at all. Like, mm, what a trooper. She, she was still being mama. Like we they uh, we had someone helped us watch Jada. I stayed with Jasmine. They'd bring Jada up to the hospital. They'd bring her to the rehabilitation center to visit mama. She'd be there holding Jada. And a few mm -hmm. times she's like, oh, she wanted to change her diaper. And, uh, mm -hmm. Oh, and, it, and it was hard on Jasmine. One thing that was hard for Jasmine is like uh, she was the whole pregnancy. She wanted to breastfeed and she was breastfeeding. Well, since she started chemo, they told her she can't breastfeed anymore. Mm -hmm. So uh, she didn't. That, that was hard on her. The last time she got the breastfeed, that was that was she didn't like that. But yeah, I mean, she and then she just and I remember before she we found out she beat cancer. Um, we, it was like a, like she had an appointment. She was going to appointments every three weeks, which she still does. And uh, she was like, I feel like they're going to tell me I don't have cancer no more. She was like, I just feel like I'm free of it. I was like, for real? She was like, yeah, I just feel like I don't have it anymore. Like, I feel like God's taking it away from me. I was like, okay, I mean, that'd be crazy. And she goes, and the next day he calls us. I'm, and I just so happened to be around her when he called. And no, no, I wasn't around her. He called, he, he called her and told her she didn't have cancer no more. And I, I don't remember where I was. I think I was at work and she, I just got a text from her. She said, guess what? I was like, what? She was like, I'm cancer free. And I like cried again. So yeah, it, it, it was awesome uh, hearing her beat that. And she hasn't had any signs of it coming back. She still goes and gets checked up every three weeks and everything just to make sure she'll keep doing that for a while. But yeah. Um, she's she's one tough one. I, I say this and I don't just say this because she's my wife I mean she's the toughest woman I know I mean she's been through a lot you know and uh still fighting strong so how did you fall back on and draw strength from the previous challenges you'd faced as you walked through that season of life and how did your faith grow through all of that yeah um definitely you know and, and that's that's the thing with God you know you when you're in it, you don't really know what's going on. But then after you get through it, you look back, you're like, oh, I see now. And me and Jasmine have talked about this. I, I don't think I could have been the man I needed to be, be there to so supportive for her as I was if I didn't deal with my mom's situation when my mom died. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, uh, experiencing that much pain and everything, like, like, like I, I think it, it helped me quickly realize when we found out she had cancer, like, I, I cried. I got it over. Like now, it's time to be the man I need to be. Like I, I need to, I need to man up. I need to be strong for her because that's. It's almost kind of selfish of me to be crying. She's the one that has it. She's the one that's dealing with everything. She needs someone there for her. Mm -hmm. So that's what I. I think I just. I, I don't. I don't think I would have. Really, don't think I would have had that mindset if I hadn't already gone through such a, a, a big hurt in life. Um, uh, and, and growing faith. I mean, faith grew. 10 times, 10 times, 10. I mean, it's all you had. It's so it's such a helpless feeling to know you you have no control. Mm -hmm. And you know, in reality, I think we all know that if we think about it, we don't have any control over our lives, but we feel like we have control over our lives. We feel like I have control. But when, and I can't even imagine how Jasmine felt in the situation. She's the one that had it, but just to know, like you have no control over this. And all you have is faith in God. All you have is prayers and, and praying to God and and everyone praying for you and just trusting him. That's all it is, like just trusting God. Like, and not to mention we were going through this during COVID, you know, <laughs> so that made it even harder. And at the time I was doing baseball. So that just killed, I, I didn't have a job basically because I was doing baseball lessons and stuff. And there's no more lessons because everything shut down. So we were blessed. Like one of Jasmine's best childhood friends started a GoFundMe, raised a ton of money to help support us. People were helping us all over. like. 
And like I said, in the moment, especially when it first happened, I was angry. Like, I was just like, God, like, how many times am I going to get smacked in life? You know what I mean? Can't we just cruise control the rest of my time on earth now? <laughs> you know what I mean? But now looking back, I'm like, I know the man I want to be. And I, I and God knows that. God knows my heart. And I, I, I feel like God's like, you know, listen, son, like, you, for you to develop into the person you want to become, like, you had to go through these things. Mm-hmm. You had to prove to yourself that you could be strong for your wife. You had to prove to yourself you could be strong for your little sister when your mom died and and, uh, and go through those things. And, and and it's not just those things. There's so many other, you know, things that happen in my life and everybody else, everyone's life. You know, if you look back on it, like we are the experiences we've been through, you know, mm-hmm. and some of the toughest people in the world or they've been through some tough things, you know, mm-hmm. and I just I just look at it now like. I have so many more lessons to, to teach my daughter, to, teach, to, to talk about with the, the, the kids I work with in baseball, to share with friends whenever they go through tough times. Like, you know, I just feel like that, that's the reasoning behind it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I can't speak for Jasmine, but as for Jasmine, I mean, what other 25 year old, she was 25 at the time, or yeah, no, 26 has it's not common for 26 year old women to get breast cancer <laughs> you know what i mean it's just not common um so she her going through something as traumatizing as that at such a young age we just had a baby like she has her own story to tell people and it made her a tougher person mm-hmm. and made her appreciate life more and i know that for a fact because we've talked about this um but it yeah it makes it made it made me appreciate my life more because i'm like man Jasmine had no signs of unhealthiness, like being unhealthy to catch cancer. So, I mean, I, you know, God, God willing, hopefully I never, you know, get cancer or anything. Hopefully I live a long life and see my grandkids grow up and all that. But I could die from cancer in the next year. I could die of a car crash. I, you know, the way the world is now, I could be shopping at Target or Walmart and someone coming there and shoot me. Anything could happen in life. So, appreciating that and uh just trying to enjoy each and every day like now like i just i take so much just joy knowing that i have my wife here you know what i mean sure and uh i'm sorry i mean no emotional <laughs> uh and we still like i said we still have our issues with marriage and things like we're not perfect but i just uh i'm just so thankful that i that i have for her like every time anytime like i said i want to have those times where I just get quiet by myself and I reflect on things like that it just makes me thankful you know what I mean uh, mm-hmm. I'm thankful for my wife I'm thankful for my daughter I'm thankful about my daughter has a mom she still has her mama here and uh I pray to God every day that she can raise up and uh, uh st- st- be around for a long time if it's God and God's will how has suffering changed you and how have you discovered the grace of God in your darkest moments going going through pain in life it's like i look at it i mean uh, this is how simple i can make it going through pain makes you stronger as in like if you're working out if you're lifting weights it hurts it burns but that muscle will grow you working out your life going through those painful moments in life it's going to grow you as a person mm-hmm. and uh and, and that's how i looked at it and it's grown my faith a ton you know it it's even made me more eager and interested to like want to learn more about God like want to read the word more want to read his word more and learn like like what gems can I find in the Bible you know what, what can I find that like I haven't because I, I didn't grow up always wanting reading the word like I grew up going to church but I just was never a big like I'm not one of those people that can like tell me what this verse is I was never that guy you know what I mean and I'm still not I just I just don't remember them I know like a few verses but um like it's made me more interested in, in wanting to like learn more about God. Like, man, like, okay, I'm tired of being surprised. Like when things happen, like, I want to learn more about you, God. Like, how do you work? Like, I want to read your word and I want to, um, and, and, and read all these stories and just learn how more, how you work. And if you read God's word, you start to see that, you know, the people that he loves, they don't always have just a great, easy life. Like they go through trials and tribulations. They have issues. And they grow from it, and and they and they stay they stay faithful, and uh, you know I think those are things I'm trying. I'm learning. I've been learning, and uh, I'm still trying to learn. And you know I hope to pass on to my daughter one day, and hopefully my grandkids one day. And uh, so yeah, I mean I, I think that's 
I think that's what I get from that. Now that you're on the other side of so many of these challenges, if you could go back and tell the young Jamie anything, what would you say? Oh, that's a good question. Honestly, I mean, it's very specific. Like, I would just say, like, genuinely love and honor my, your parents more. You know what I mean? Because, like, I, I, I miss my mom still. Uh, like I said, I, I don't really cry much anymore, but, I, I like, when I see my daughter and all the fun times and experiences, like, I wish my mom could be here to experience this. Like, I, just, I mean, I, I just wish she could be here to experience. And, you know, being a young teenager, like, you disrespect your parents. Like, I, and I regret it. Like, my dad wasn't really in my life a lot. And I had anger towards him when I was younger at that age in high school. And I just, I would be disrespectful to him. Like, I wouldn't want to talk to him or anything. And uh, I would just say uh, also, try, like, work on being more stoic. You know, like not getting too high and too low on life, you know, always understand that there's going to be brighter days and there's going to be worse days. And you need to try to stay right here in the middle and, 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 try, and just try to stay even killed and, uh, and just understand, understand that God's in control. You know, mm-hmm. I, like I didn't really start growing towards God. Like I said, I went to church growing up, but I didn't really grow a relationship with God until my mom died. Oh, that, that's when my relationship, that's when I would say I became a Christian, when my mom died. Um, before that, I didn't have a relationship. I just knew, you know, going to church, the Sunday school stories and things like that. Um, but having a relationship has been eye-opening. That's that's where I've seen the real growth and felt God's love and uh, felt his comfort and his hands over me. Mentoring is something that's really important to you, especially with the turbulent upbringing a bit that you had with, you know, parental figures in and out of your life and different things, being a solid hands-on dad to Jada and also being a role model for other boys and young men through, you know, baseball coaching and various different things. You, as well as I know that just in our culture today, there's just a huge generational curse of fatherlessness and lack of positive role models. How are you trying to help reverse that both in your own family and also for others that you're investing in through, you know, character development and interactions that you have. Yeah. Um, with my family, it's just like, I just kind of, I just have this, like, it might be me being, I don't know what it is, stubborn from just like, I just have put my foot, my foot down from the day we got married. Me and my wife, I'm like, I will not, I'm break, Like we're, I'm breaking the curse of my family like there's not gonna be a divorce anymore like I'm gonna raise a daughter with two parents mm-hmm. that love each other and show her that we love each other and that's kind of like me like and it yeah, we you know marriage is tough you know for sure but there's something you know and it, even just not, as short as 50 years ago people used to respect marriage more you know mm-hmm. uh you know when you got married you really meant it there's but nowadays it's like it's almost like just dating like people feel like I can just break up, like just leave. It's easy. Well, I feel like if you really get your mind wrapped around, like I am with you forever, through sickness and in health, through good and bad, it don't matter. You're gonna work harder to figure it out. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if if you look at it like that way, I'm blessed to have found Jasmine that, that we share that. Like we will die for each other. Like she knows I will die for her. And I know she died for me. Um, so yeah, but and, and as far as so with for Jada, my daughter, it's just raising her in that, letting her see our love, and 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 when she as she gets older, when the time comes, like starting to have those talks with her about that, you know, help her to really understand what marriage is, and uh, what is love. Love is not an emotion. Love is an action. You know, mm-hmm. people can be on emotions easily for you know six months, two years, but then what happens when those emotions start dying? Like now you don't love them anymore. Love is a choice. It's an action, you know. Uh, love is when, when my mom died and people went out of their way to comfort me. That's love. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not emotion attached to that. It was a choice they made, and you know things like that. And uh, you know, love is you know being there for Jasmine when she had cancer and the people that came and visited and, and and all the phone calls and everything like that. But as far as other people, like when I work with uh, the boys I work with with baseball and everything. You know, I really just try to show them what I what I feel like biblically biblically a man is. 
hard work and being honest, being accountable. The number one thing I, I see in kids now from, cause I coach youth baseball, I see so many boys come to me that just are not accountable. You know what I mean? And, and they don't preach that. Like I'm trying, we try to make our daughter accountable right now. She's two, you know, I just don't see that accountability as well. I do see it in some, but most part, I just don't see a lot of accountability. So I'm always trying to just break the, like, get them to be accountable. Even at, like little things like, you know, they know from the jump, we have to have our hat on straight, shirt tucked in with our baseball pants, black socks, cleats with the belt on. Well, you know, almost every practice when I, I forgot my belt. All right, well, we have to run because we got to forget our belts and little things like that. You know, I don't want to see your mom carrying your bag to the field. Like you're a big boy, you're 10, you can carry your own bag. You know, little things like that, they're grades. They have to have, you know, a certain grade average to, to play, things like that. And I, I just think, taking accountability um giving giving kids giving uh, i like to give them responsibility and let, let them handle it on their own things like that and empowering them to have responsibility and not expecting someone to always do things for them because in life as, as a as a man um you're gonna have, when they have a family that looks to you to lead and you it's hard to be a leader if you've never if you've never had to be responsible if you've never had to be accountable um if you've never been a leader, you know, I, I, I encourage leadership. So that, that's just what I think. And that's, and that's another reason why I am passionate about like coaching baseball. Cause I used to want to, I thought I wanted to coach like high school. Um, and I maybe one, one day I still will, but lately, lately I've had more of a, I've really loved coaching younger kids um, because mm. I feel like that's the time when they can still be molded, you know, that you can mm. still mold minds and um you know, I definitely, I try to show them that I love them, that, but like, I try to explain to them, like, I try to show them, I don't explain to them, I just try to show them that, you know, what I, what I feel like a biblical man is without telling them. And to me, that is not a soft man. That's a hard, hard man. He's a tough man. You know, I think sometimes a church, it, I think a lot of people fear going to church or they don't fear it. They just avoid church because they feel like, oh, it's soft music and soft man. Like, no, like, Manly men are, are godly men. They, they protect their families. They provide for their families. They lead their families. And I, I just try to show them that, like, that, I, you know, I, I might be hard on you, but I, I still love you. You know, I still love you. I'll tell them. I'll tell my kids on my, on my teams, I love you. You know, I'll, you know, I love you. I'll do anything for you guys. Just like I tell my daughter that. So just like I discipline my daughter, but I also am the first one. I'll tell her I love her and give her a hug and we cuddle and I read to her and we play and act goofy. And um, so I just try to uh, instill that in the kids I work with, as well as my daughter. Basically, I just treat the boys I work with just like my kid. Besides, I don't discipline them. You know, that's the only thing. But yeah, that's that's basically what I do. And I, I feel like if we do that more with the youth, um, especially especially the young boys, because like like you said, there's a lot of single moms out there. Mm -hmm. you know? And I truly believe it starts with the youth. Like it's hard to change grown men. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it can be done. It, it happens. There's definitely men that get corrected and everything. But I feel like we start with the, the, the kids, you know, and, and uh, I really tried to mold them. And then that next generation can become that. Because right now, I mean, as me and you know, like marriage, divorce rates are going through the roof every day. And it's just... I think it's because, like I said, it's not about having a, being a soft man as a Christian. That's what the problem is. You know what, you know what tough is? Tough is no matter what, you're staying with that one person for life. That's tough. You know, mm -hmm. you made that commitment and you're honoring it. Uh, I, I think that's what's tough. I, I, I think quitting and just moving on, that's, that's soft. That's not, that's not tough. And, uh, I, you know, I, sometimes I might say something like that to my kids, like, you know, about that, because I'll, I'll talk to them about being tough in baseball, and then I'll refer to life, how life's hard. And, uh, and that was another thing with my team I had last year. Uh, they knew about Jasmine having cancer. So, like, every now and then I, I talk to them about that. Like, you know, imagine what Miss Jasmine's going through. Like, and we're going to complain about whatever it is we're going through, you know. And I just think that's good uh, for kids, especially – young boys to, to, to learn that toughness, but learn what toughness is. Toughness is not getting in fights and doing all that. It's honoring your word, being responsible, doing things. Mm -hmm. that, those are the truly tough things, being accountable, being responsible. If you could sum up your journey, could be a scripture verse, 
or an inspirational quote or a concept. If there's a theme or a message you could draw from your story, what would it be? Just, just keep moving, you know, just keep striving. Cause like, I feel like it's me cause it's, it's my life. I'm sure everyone feels like this probably at some points in my life. I just feel like, you know, throughout my life, you know, you maybe take two steps forward, two steps forward, one step back, get kicked, get knocked down a little bit, but you gotta, you gotta just keep moving. You can't sit in your, in your soaking or, or in your depression for too long. You can't just be stagnant for too long. You gotta get back up on your feet. You gotta keep moving and anything in life um, and, and figure out a way to keep moving. If, if you don't know it, it was everything you can to figure out a way to keep moving. So I would just say, j- just keep moving, just keep, just keep growing. And like I said, like just keep moving means everything. Just keep growing, just keep learning. Like, I don't know everything. Like I said, I don't know every Bible verse. I can't by heart, but just keep reading the Bible and learning and learning the word of God. I mean, I read the, I try to read the Bible every day for like 15 minutes and almost every day. I mean, literally almost every day I'll find something like, I didn't even know this was in, in here. You know what I mean? It, it might be one verse. Um, so I just, just keep moving. Just keep growing as a person. Don't be stagnant. Don't be the same person you were next year. We are right now. Be, be, have grown at least 1%. Get a little bit better every day. So just keep moving. Just keep growing. Final question. One of the things I love most about you is that every time I talk with you, it's like getting a dose of motivational energy. <laughs> Your journey has allowed you to take in the life lessons you've learned so deeply. It's, it's literally impossible for anybody to be around you and not be inspired. As we close out our time today, I just want to give you the chance to share some words of hope with the listeners for anybody going through a difficult season of life or needing to find their fight and challenge or just trying to see Jesus in what they're dealing with. The mic's yours for a few minutes to just share some thoughts that we can leave everybody with today. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I will say number one, you know, keep God first in your life because, you know, coming from me, like I have had times in life where God was not first in my life and I know how things went and I've had it when I've had them first in my life and I know how things went and they're completely different, you know. Um, even if you feel like, God is not listening to me. I, I don't know what he's doing in my life. He ain't listening to what I want. He ain't listening to my needs. He is not. Just trust in God. Pray. Mm-hmm. Get some alone time. Even if it's like you're going through a depression and you're crying, it's okay to cry. Like, get that out. Get by yourself and just cry out. Talk to God. Yell at him. You know, he, he, he's our father. He can handle it. You know what I mean? It's just like my daughter. She's throwing a tantrum and she's yelling at me. And on the inside, I'm almost laughing. You know, God can take that. You know, he's God. He's okay if you get mad at him and express how you feel. He knows already. Um, and, and get by yourself, get in peace, quiet, and just and pray and just let your mind think. And I, I really think that goes a long way. Just hey, spending time. I mean, it's, it's me saying get time by yourself and thinking, but really that's spending time with him. And that's what he wants. He wants you to spend time with him, just you and him. Um, not that it's not okay to cry with other people and things like that or, or express with other people, but sometimes I would suggest, you know, getting by yourself, um, being with God. That's, that's number one thing I'd say. And then the number two thing is like I already said, um, this is the last thing I'd have to say is just keep moving, keep growing. Even if it's a little bit like, like I made a goal this year. I want to read one, uh, 12 books this year. So that's one book a month. All right um i'm already behind on that so it's we're in april and i've only read three books so i need to hurry up and finish this fourth book so i can get on to the fifth one so i can be done with that one by me but i mean i'm just trying to read a little bit at a time i'm trying to read 10 pages a night right now and then if i get some extra time i'll read more you know just do a little a little bit more every day just try to get a little bit better and give yourself grace because you're gonna slack off like i said i slacked off like you're gonna fall behind on it give yourself grace but, uh, but try to just keep moving, keep getting a little bit better at whatever it is you're doing, whatever it is you're growing towards. Number one, your relationship with God, just keep, keep trying to grow that. And I, th- I think you'll, I think you'll be good. I think you'll get, I, I'm calm. I know you'll get through it. I'm, I'm confident in it, especially if you, like I said, number one, if you're spending your time with God and, and putting him first. Thank you, Jamie, for joining us today. This has been incredibly inspiring and life-giving, and I'm so honored to be able to bring the listeners your story. I appreciate it, Catherine. It was fun talking to you, fun seeing you for the first time in a long time. Next summer, I'd love to come uh, come back to Alaska and bring my family with me this time. So that'd be awesome. 
grateful to Jamie for coming on here and opening up about his personal journey. I always come away so uplifted whenever I hang out with him, and I hope you felt the same while listening to this interview here today. If you've enjoyed today's content, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and also spread the word. You can check out my weekly blog at www.graceopens.blogspot.com as well as follow and connect with me anytime on Twitter, Instagram, Parlor, and MeWe. We begin a special series on mental wellness starting next week, and I look forward to seeing you back here for that. Until then, stay blessed, and remember that grace will always meet you where you are. Thank you.